Hello, Husky fans. This is Max Cerullo, and you are listening to another episode of Yes, UConn, the podcast where we dive deep into the greatest UConn basketball teams of all time. And I, I think that really is our mission today. Uh, to the surprise of nobody, uh, our finalists are exactly who you we thought they'd be. Uh, 1999 and 2004 easily advanced in the semifinals of our Greatest Teams Tournament Challenge. And uh, this is it. I think this is the one we all knew was coming at the end. And uh, honestly, I think it was just a discussion I was, I've was i been really looking forward to having. Uh, 1999 and 2004 are obviously the U- UConn's best teams ever. And uh, Tim, our mission today is to figure out which one of these teams would win if they met on the court. Is that a, are you up for the responsibility? Do you, do you think this is something that we can handle? <laughs> Uh, good luck to us is all I have to say. Yeah, good luck to us and shout out to all of you. Uh, you guys have made uh, this this you know this summer series uh, a lot of fun. It's been a great way to pass the time. Is there you know really it's been a, like a desert of UConn news the last uh, you know couple months really, but uh, it may be changing. Um, you know it seems that there is uh, some movement on the recruiting front. We may find some news of a couple of notable commit you know uh, recruits who you know it looks like they're coming down to the wire their recruiting process and. Uh, Maybe next week we'll have some stuff to talk about with that. But uh, yeah, so Tim, yeah. Um, first things first, I think we should probably address the elephant of the room as to why this is being posted. Uh, we're, 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 we are recording this on Tuesday morning. Uh, normally, we like to have our episodes posted by now. But uh, uh, between the busy schedule and apparently some uh, mishap in your neighborhood with the... Tell, tell them what happened with uh, what, what happened to your internet. Um. My internet went down at about 11.30 on Monday in the morning, so that was great. Mac texted me almost right after that asking about recording, and I had to tell him that I had no internet. Um, My provider said that it would be back online by 2.50 in the afternoon. Then they pushed it back to 3.50, which had me getting nervous because I work 5 p.m. to 2 a.m. right now. Um, Then 5 o'clock rolls around, still nothing. It's been pushed back to 7.40. Then I check about a half hour later. It's been pushed back to 11.30, then to 11.49. So I was in a great spot yesterday. You know, didn't have any internet, was trying to work, wanted to do the podcast with you, couldn't do that. And then I have to, I end up having to go pick up my girlfriend at the, at the train station in Hartford. And then from there, we just end up driving down to Portland to my parents' house so that I can just finish out my shift um, unfortunately, couldn't record the podcast down there. But you know, the the worst part is like I so I left my apartment at like nine twenty five to go to go get my girlfriend, and I get to my parents' house and it it looked like our internet was back online, even though it wasn't you know eleven forty five or whatever yet. Apparently, it went online almost immediately after I stepped out of the apartment. Oh, my, the update from my <laughs> provider, who I don't want to name, I put them, I tweet angrily about them on Twitter all the time, so you can see it there. Uh, the update this morning said it came online at nine thirty-eight, oh, and God. so that was. 10 minutes after I left the apartment. So well, I was screaming. Yeah. That's, that's super annoying. Uh, yeah, yeah. no, I, when you told me that I, I assumed it had something to do with the heat wave. And I was like thinking like, you know, I've heard of power outages during heat waves, but I've never heard of the like internet and Comcast going down. Like, 
You know, you, yeah. you would have thought of that, like the pandemic would have prepared all these networks for having everyone locked up inside just, you know, on their phones and on their computers, you know, just messing around all the time. But yeah, yeah then I, I guess, I don't know. It was what, like a truck or something. Oh like, my God. Hit, a truck hit something and then that that led to a bunch of chaos well if it's any if it makes you feel any better by the time they came back i was like you know at a i was at a play like a tournament game for one of my local high school teams i cover anyway so (laughs) that has been by the way the story of my life i i've been i think i've covered like i don't know 10 12 games in like the last five days like i had like two separate triple headers i i gotta it's yeah my one of the curses of uh having a you know, an area where all my teams are doing really well is that they're all still playing. And that's like, Oh no, these are the biggest games in these programs as histories. And that's like, you have to be there. It's like, yeah, well, like what am I supposed to do? Teleport from like this one spot. That's like 70 miles apart from this other team playing a road game way the hell over there. It's, you need the Hermione Granger time turner. Oh my God. That would have really come in handy last night for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's all information. I'm sure you guys all want to hear about, uh, no, really what you guys all want to hear about is, uh, you know, let's like talk some 1999 and 2004. So, um, yeah, I think you know probably first you know first things first. Uh, 2004 just has been a wagon in this tournament. They just absolutely smoked 2009 to a degree that I was really su- shocked by. Uh, it was 91 to nine. Uh, 2009 is so good. I was really I thought for sure they would have at least cracked 25, but man, that, that's that was a surprising result. What did what did you make of that, Tim? Is 2004 <laughs> better than maybe we even give them credit? As we were talking about it last week, like I was convincing myself more and more that 2009 really would have had a chance in this game. But I, I guess not everyone thought that way. But Or, I mean, maybe they did. And still the answer ended up being 2004. I mean, that, that always felt like the right answer to me anyway. So, you know... A ninety-one to nine, I like. Yeah, it's a blowout, but it also at the same time it doesn't necessarily surprise me. Yeah, I guess really, I just want to. That's a, a more than anything. Any game involving two thousand nine and two thousand six, any of those matchups that we've had so far are ones I absolutely would love to see in person. But this one especially, Emeka Okafor just you know carving up Hashim Thabit under the basket, or you know getting you know his face blocked in like you know fourteen times in the process it would have just been such an epic. It would have just been so much fun. They would have just like <laughs> absolutely gone ham on each other, and we all would have been winners for it. Uh, I do think two thousand four is the right choice though. And, you know, shout out to 2011. They really, they represented themselves very well here. 1999, I wasn't sure what to expect, uh, but they, they were able to re- hold their own to a respectable degree. It was a only 77-23. I, I was actually worried that we would have had a 90-10 like 90, blowout here. But look, 2011, hopefully this kind of puts to, puts to bed the, the myth that they're somehow like not respected or not like considered that talented because clearly the results here bear out that people recognize them as being a really good team where, you know, say 2014, for example, obviously did not quite have this, that same outcome. I feel like a lot of people put those teams in the same basket where I really don't think that's like really the case. I don't know. What do you think of that? Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And I, I think I've been guilty of it in the past, even though those are the two national titles from my time in college. So I had I had quite a connection to those two. And they were great teams. And they were, you know, obviously 2011, that was, it was a great team, but it was a young team that took a while to, and actually didn't even really take a while. I don't know what I'm saying. They, 
their nine losses were in a ridiculous Big East conference. Like we've talked about, that was an absurd year of Big East basketball. 11 out of 16 teams making the field to 64 is like, there's no words for it that haven't been said already. And that team, you know, winning Maui the way it did and then five games in five days. And then it's tournament run. Like it, it needed to be more than Kemba. Like Kemba was obviously the driving force of that, but you know, everyone had their moment, and clearly, you saw the talent that was there. And you know, a nine like a nine loss season doesn't change the fact that that team was one of the best. It was an outstanding UConn team. Yeah, well, I'm glad that they that they represented themselves well here. Um, you know, losing in respectable fashion to the '99 team is, is really nothing to be ashamed of. So, um, and that brings us to this, the finals. Um, so, you know, these are obviously teams that we've spoken, we've talked about at length here, but, uh, why don't we just, you know, we've already kind of run through each of their rosters and each of their schedules, but let's kind of give it a quick, uh, a quick once over real quick. So 99 was basically a top three team wire to wire. I mean, more or less, um, actually, yeah, they, there was one week that they fell to number four, but that was, that was pretty much it. They were you know, consistently re- widely considered to be one of the best. And, you know, in a year they, they were, I think they were ranked number one in the country more weeks than Duke was for all of Duke's reputation and, you know, all the accolades they got. Um, and I mean, we've talked about the roster, you know, Rip Hamilton was at the height of his powers as the, you know, their, 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 their number three, their wing, you know, he averaged 21.5 points a game. He did pretty much everything you want. Colette Elamin, Ricky Moore is the, you know, that awesome back, backcourt, you know, where Elamin's scoring, his swagger, his distribution, Ricky Moore's defense, you know, Kevin Freeman as, as the four, just, you know, a little undersized, but never mattered, you know, 12 points, seven, three rebounds. And uh, Jake Voskel obviously is your starting center. And then, yeah, then it's like almost, it's like 2004 is like a weirdly like different team where they were not a wire to wire top 10, like top five team like uh, 99 was. They had a, you know, a stretch where they fell as low as nine, uh, had some injuries hit up along the way, but you know, they were, you know, preseason number one, you know, they, nobody was surprised by them and uh, you know, they're better players. Well, they had, well, look, they, they didn't have any bad players, but for the most part, like the, the strength of that team was the front court. So, you know, and then of course, you know, Ben Gordon is your, is your, your two guard, just, you know, killing everybody, <laughs> you know, slashing and shooting and stuff. So it's an interesting matchup. Um, at a glance, I don't know. What do you, what do you kind of think just like, you know, of these teams resumes, uh, you know, and kind of how they stack up in terms of what they accomplished on the court in their own, you know, the context of their own seasons. Yeah. You know, you were talking about 04 not going wire to wire as the number one team in the country. And it's just funny to look when you look at that final poll, because both them and Duke are both down there. Duke was six, UConn was seven in the final poll, but that was also the year that Stanford and St. Joe's kind of like ran the table in the regular season, um, going uh, going undefeated for most of the year. Um, you know, a, a decent year from Kentucky and Gonzaga and Oklahoma State. So it was weird to see them like to see them down that far in the AP poll. Um, but to me, like UConn clearly proved in 04 that it was the best team in the country, even if it didn't, you know, even if it lost a few more games than it necessarily should have. I mean, they only lost, what, six times? But, um, yeah, this is this is an unbelievable matchup. I mean, these are clearly the two best teams in UConn history, and 
there are some fun matchups in this game for sure. Yeah, 2004 being a two seed in that tournament is really one of the stranger quirks of like you know tournament seeding that I can recall. I mean, yeah. everybody knew this team was was amazing. Like this was not a shock, <laughs> and some <laughs> somehow I don't. So I I didn't follow you know college basketball closely enough at the time to really remember sort of what the narrative was at that point around UConn or around you know kind of who the perspective you know, who, who was thought to be like the top teams, but I don't know. It's, it's like, it's a little weird that it played out that way, but like once it got to the final four, I think everyone was like, Oh yeah, that's right. UConn is amazing. Like what were, yeah. what, 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 what did we, what were we missing before? Like, you know, UConn and Duke too. I mean, you know, those two teams, it wasn't you know, that meeting in the semifinal was, was awesome, but also a little bit of a bummer. Cause like that, that would have been a great championship game. I mean, it was a great yeah. game. It's just, you know, happened around too early um it would have been nice if they were reversed you know losing to georgia tech early in the season at madison square garden which just didn't make any sense like and losing bad it would have been nice to beat them in the in the final four game and then get another national title against duke but i mean yeah like you said that duke game is one of the one of the best uconn games ever yeah and then you win that and there's no way you're losing to georgia tech the next couple days later yeah man i mean georgia the fact that they lost that game to georgia tech is actually really surprising in retrospect just because like that game like we know we don't talk about that final like georgia tech was basically a speed bump like it wasn't it was wasn't a competitive game really i think the final score wound up being like kind of yeah it was only a nine point game but it may as well have been like a like i don't know like a 20 point game or something it just felt so non-competitive but uh i mean (laughs) it was up 41 26 at the half too right they they came out guns blazing in that one. Yeah, and like, you know, looking back at the time, like going into the game, there probably was a little drama because it's like, oh, well, yeah, Georgia, like they lost to Georgia Tech, maybe, who knows, but then, yeah. <laughs> Okafor 24, Ben Gordon 21, Rashad, eight, Rashad 18, they shot 42.6 from the field. I mean, they... They came to play that day. Yeah, it's just a, you know, it was just a really, really awesome time. And then you know, nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Obviously, we we you know, we've we've probably talked about this team, like you know, you and I speci- specifically, and other guests on this show, probably more than any other team. I mean, this this team was awesome. You know, and I love this tournament run too. Like it's aged well. Like you know, you start with like you know Texas, San Antonio, New Mexico, whatever. But Iowa, you know, that's a, that's a respectable team. You know, that's a you know certainly a program that's had some success. Gonzaga, that I mean, beating Gonzaga now carries a lot more weight than it probably did back then. I mean, I mean, look at what they've become. You know, Ohio. That's like I always, whenever I think about Gonzaga, sorry to jump in, I just remember that being the Elite Eight game when I was a kid, and I just remember thinking like, what the heck is Gonzaga? And I, uh, but then like every from then on, like whenever I heard about Gonzaga, like even as they were like starting to build that program, I was just like, oh, that's the team we beat in the Elite Eight, and then like. You know, through the years, like that's always been like that moment, like Gonzaga making the Elite Eight that year, was the was the moment for them, and like was this the the building block toward what they've become, and I just think that's a a nice little connection there. Yeah, I mean, it's a, in a weird way, it's like almost kind of like their version of UConn's dream season, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you know, kind of they they made their their big run. Uh, I mean, it's also like it's we should probably mention Gonzaga did have John Stockton before, so it's not like they had no history, but it's you know, yeah, that's sort of where their myth began, and you know, you know, obviously once UConn gets past them, you know, Ohio State like 
you know, Ohio State, you know, your mileage may vary on them over the years, but they've had a lot of success. You know, they've appeared in the championship game, you know, you know 2007, I guess, what isn't that recent anymore, huh? <laughs> 14 years ago, but, you know, they're still pretty good. And then obviously the game against Duke is, I, I, I look, we all, it's number one in all of our lists. I feel like it should be higher on like the national, like, rankings of best college basketball games ever i mean that yeah. game was a banger and it had a real historical significance i don't know it feels to me like that really belongs like somewhere in the top 10 like you know of all those lists where you have kentucky duke and you know uh, the nc state final and with houston some of those other and like, not and sorry and not as one of the great upsets in a national championship game because th- th- that's how it gets billed a lot as this colossal upset by uconn over duke and that just it drives me insane that is one of the weirder narratives that took hold i mean that duke team was great but like yeah every time i look at you know you look at the match i don't remember i don't think ken palm was a thing yet but like a lot of the a lot of the advanced stats and a lot of the stats that we had available to us you look at them it's like they're pretty close like what are we like this isn't we're not like talking about like a like an eight seed upsetting you know duke you know mighty duke in the final like this is clearly the number two team in the country and you know the fact that people acted like it was such a mismatch is so weird i'm I'm like i've repeated that exact sentence on this show probably a dozen times but it's still (laughs) I, i still just don't understand it so that's who we got here now um what would happen if these two teams played it's such an interesting idea because the, the matchups are so unique. Like their strengths do not necessarily align with one another. So I guess we should just start with like, you know, each team's best player. So rip is, you know, kind of a, is a three guard. Whereas like the oath or uh, what, I don't know. What do you call it? A wing? I guess. Yeah. Like, whatever, whatever yeah. rip was, he was a, he was a unicorn basically. And 2004 is like, I guess in theory, like their three was probably the weak spot in their lineup. Cause like their better players are like, you know, they're, you know, Ben Gordon is like their two, and Emeka is obviously their five. Whoever they're sending out, you know, you know, Talik Brown as their point guard or whoever else they have in the backcourt. And like then, you know, Josh Booner, Charlie Villanueva are your fours. So, you know, Denim Brown, I guess theoretically would be the, the logical matchup, but it, it doesn't necessarily align quite yeah. right. Whereas on the flip side, Emeka, you know, the national player of the year, is going up against Jake Voskel. Good player. <laughs> Not, not even, not even close. No. <laughs> so, what? And then you know, even Kevin Freeman, like I, I feel he obviously can hold his own against you know whoever he's going up against because he always did. But Villanueva yeah. and Boone, th- those guys are loads. So he physically, ninety nine is at a pretty significant disadvantage in the front court. And then the backcourt matchups are, I think, great because you know El Amin and Tal- Talik Brown are both you know dynamite they're both great and then yeah. ricky moore versus ben gordon is fascinating because you know he's actually one of the few players in this entire like you know tournament that i actually could see you know taking care of ben gordon like he could actually keep up with him and keep him in check and i guess talik could kind of do the same to elamine too i mean he was a pretty good defensive player too so it's very interesting what's your what's your yeah. just like initial thoughts on like you know kind of the big picture, and we'll, we can d- drill deeper into the individual matchups, but uh, feel, what do you feel like we got here? Uh, <laughs> again, we've got two amazing teams here, and you know, I think you know, it's easy for us to just look and see the names on the 04 team and see how many of them went on to have, you know, have decent to great NBA careers, 
and you know the the players they were in college but you know and thinking about how this like 99 team kind of like unfairly flew under the radar sometimes um with some of these names but these are like just it's unbelievable all around that these are the these are the players that would be on the floor with each other and i mean man it's like you said huge huge front court advantage for 04 but the backcourt is the backcourt is really fascinating here and i really don't know how that would play out and that really excites me yeah because like talik and elamine are a really interesting matchup with one another like their skill sets like overlap in interesting ways that i really have a hard time predicting what might happen like elamine is certainly capable of going off for like 16 or 20 points but I don't know if he would. And, you know, similarly, Ben Gordon is clearly, obviously, capable of scoring in bunches. But Ricky Moore, I mean, that guy, like, you know, he, he like, guarded Allen Iverson. He guarded some real yeah. some real dudes. So it's so fascinating because, like, I feel like, yeah, the front court matchup, like, 04 has a big advantage. But, like, do they have an answer for Rip? Like, that's not really clear. Like... <laughs> You know, Rip is. You know, he, if Rip is going to the basket, he's running into those. You know, the big trees and the you know the sequoias under the basket. But Rip is. He dealt, yeah. he, you know, he can handle guys like that. He he dealt with those kind of guys all the time. The, the biggies had plenty of bigs back in those days too. So you know, and obviously his shooting is you know great. So I don't know. It's it's interesting. Like, is Rip a big enough difference maker to overcome O4's front court advantage? I feel like it is like this is the kind of matchup we see a lot where, you know, you just got a like a big wing who just takes over a game front courts like even a really, you know, the 2014 UConn team is proof positive that just because you're at a huge front court disadvantage doesn't mean it's a fatal flaw. Like if you can make up for it elsewhere and just get an, you know, even if your guys are just like eating fouls and, and obviously, you know, Freeman and Voskel are much, much too good a player to just be like you know, playing the Phil Nolan role against, you know, Dakari Johnson or those guys like, <laughs> sorry, Phil, you're, love Phil. we love Phil. Great, great player. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. What do, what, what do we feel? Like, so what, do, what's 2004's game plan for rip? I feel like that's really kind of one of the keys for them, the victory here. Man, it's, it's tough because, you know, prevailing theory is that Denim Brown is going to be the guy who's on him. And, you know, I, I rate Denim as a guy who can who who can shut him down, but would he? I don't know. I don't think so. I think that this this could end up being a big game for Rip. I think you know it'll be, it would be interesting. Like at what point does you know do you put Ben Gordon on Rip? Like that might you know do you like need to you know rotate between him like Gordon and Denim? You know I don't think Talik. I think Talik would stay you know on Elamine. So, I don't know. I think it's got to be a combination of those two guys really trying to slow him down and, you know, good luck to him. Yeah, I feel like we should probably, like, add, like, extend this to the bench, too. This just feels like a big Suleiman Wan game, personally. Yes. He's You got to get him in the game, you know, maybe not, like, big, big minutes, but, like, you need him doing some work on Emeka, like, just to just, if nothing else, just to help remind Emeka that, like, you know, the other team has some bigs, too. Like Suli has a track record. He went up against Elton Brand and he like played well. So he did play really well in that national championship game. It needs to be said more. Yeah, I mean it's one of my favorites. It, it was only it was only eight minutes, but it was it was eight minutes well served. Yeah, I mean he got one of the most iconic slow mo running shots after a big play. I I love that shot. 
So, yeah. Yeah, we, you know, obviously Suli is a, is a regular, uh, has, has been a frequent guest on this show too. So <laughs> we, we love Suli. Um, yeah, no, he, we, I feel like he, he's a key player here because, you know, Jake Voskel is certainly capable of holding his own against other bigs, but this is too much for him to take care of alone. Suli would have to come in and do, do some real work and, you know, Freeman, I'm actually interested in seeing like how he, David could actually try to deploy Freeman as like a three in certain lineups configurations too. Like maybe they, you know, maybe they decide to, you know, for whatever reason they decide to go with like a, a bigger lineup and have Suli and, uh, you know, Jake. I don't think that, is that something they ever did? I wonder if that's something they'd have to resort to here, but like, I don't know, Kevin, I mean, Kevin plays big enough. I guess he could probably just handle it. What do you, would you, am I, am I overthinking this? I don't know. I think maybe a little, I, I, I can't see, you know, I can't see 99 Calhoun necessarily doing that, especially when you consider that, you know, Suleiman Wan only played, you know, about 10 minutes per game compared to Jake's 21. I don't know if he would, if he would rely on, on him that much, especially to just to put two bigs on the floor. I mean, I, like you said, Kevin Freeman can ha- can handle himself against those bigger guys, and I think he's going to have to in this matchup. Yeah, now that I think about it, it's like I'm really I'm really overthinking it. And I'm really like not giving Kevin Freeman enough respect. I mean, he he played big, so he actually honestly he could probably he'd probably do fine against Villanueva or Boone. Certainly against yeah. Boone. I mean, that's freshman Boone. You know, he's a big guy, but like Freeman had like he was like a surgeon by that point, so he'd be yeah. able to get him in the low post. Villanueva, I mean, that's really, he was, he was really good. <laughs> he was like, he, he doesn't, I don't know if he necessarily gets as much respect as he deserves either, but like that guy, that guy was a really tough player. Um, yeah. yeah. So we'll see. And then, you know, do we, what do we, what do we think about kind of some of the, the bench matchups here? Like Rashad, we haven't mentioned he, he's a big player here too. What, what do we, how do you feel about his impact in this game? Um, I think 04 definitely has the has the bench advantage, especially with a guy like Rashad. You know, a guy you know you could always turn to for a clutch shot, a guy who is going to play aggressive defense. And then, you know, like we've already talked about the the rotation between Villanueva and Boone. You've got Hilton Armstrong, Marcus Williams. I mean, just going down the bench like punch for punch. I mean, compared to you know as much as I love Albert Mooring, Edmund Saunders, and Suleiman Juan, Rashmel Jones. You know, I think those guys, I think they can hold their own, and I think that they were, you know, they were all good players in their own right. But if you know, if I'm looking for, you know, if I'm looking for a big impact off the bench, I think I'm looking to to O four more than I am ninety nine. Yeah, I, that's probably fair. I mean, but ninety nine starting five is just like, I mean, yeah. it's two, that was two years of just like basketball nirvana, basically. It was. Yeah. I am jealous of everyone who got to watch those two teams. 98 to 99 was must have just been yeah i've probably rewatched like half of 99 season just doing podcasts about him though what a joy to watch it was so much fun um i I think i've said on here before like i I was it was like kind of like right at the i was right at the point in 98 i probably i'm sure i watched tons of games but i was too young to really like to really register it, but then 99, you know, I was watching games. I don't remember necessarily watching the games, but I do very much remember going to Gamble for the time in 99 for uh, for the win against Rutgers and then being back there the day after the championship game. Um, so it was like, it was, a, it was a fun point for me because it was right as I was like, you know, at the, 
early stages of fully understanding my UConn fandom. And I do want to say real quick, you know, I was just talking about, you know, 99 not necessarily having the the bench advantage over 04. I like, I don't want to disrespect Albert Mooring, Edmund Saunders, those guys. You know, they both they were both very very productive players throughout the season. You know, especially you know Mooring with seven points, two and a half rebounds a game. Saunders six points, four point seven. I I am not trying to say that those guys aren't good. They were they were very good players, and I just think 04 has got a little more. Yeah, Saunders, actually, I, I feel like Saunders, we need to kind of give a little bit more time to here. I mean, you know, he's 6'8". He, he averaged six points and four, uh, almost five rebounds per game. You know, he, you yeah. know he's kind of kind of like Freeman. I mean, you could put him out there against, you know, Villanueva and Boone or, you know, whoever else is playing the four for 2004. I mean, I don't think he has the advantage, but he certainly is good enough to keep you from, like, you know, springing a leak or anything like the, the, the nice thing yeah. about this matchup is that there is no scenario where there is a player on the court or, or rather I should say there is a player who cannot be on the court. Like, you you know, for instance, like, yeah, exactly. you know, like 2000, like 21 versus, you know, 1999, I would, you know, <laughs> there, there are certain players on the 2021 team where if they stepped on the court, you know, 99 is just like, go with that guy, go with that guy. Yeah, exactly. Not, not the case. Not the case in this matchup for sure. You know, everybody, yeah. everybody here is going to be you know capable of getting it done. Um, I do want to say quickly, one of my favorite. I think I've mentioned before. I had the the '99 um, season recap cassette tape with Jody Ambrosio uh, narrating the whole season for WTIC, and one of my favorite plays on that radio call, or one of the, my favorite radio calls from that tape, is actually an alley oop dunk from from EJ Harrison to Edmund Saunders. And so I just, I love that shout out to the bench guys on the 99 team. It's a real, real crew right there. So, yeah. um, I was going to make a point a few minutes ago about ball movement. And in my mind's eye, I see two, I see 99 is like this outstanding. Well, they, they were this outstanding, you know, ball movement team. They, you know, move, they, they did a lot of great work driving to the basket and kicking out kind of, you know, poking and prodding and that sort of thing. It's a really great style of basketball. I really, I really love it. It's um kind of a good mix of kind of today, the, today's modern game and sort of the old school bruising ball of the eighties. And instinctively I was thinking, okay, well, 99 is clearly like kind of the better passing team than 04, but that's actually might not necessarily be the case. If you look at 2004's like assist numbers, they got three separate guys who averaged more than four assists per game. Uh, ben Gordon, this surprised me, averaged four and a half assists. I, I never really thought of him as being a distributor, but the numbers clearly bear it out. Yeah. Uh, Talik Brown, obviously, you know, that was like one of his big things. He has six and a half assists per game. <laughs> and even Marcus Williams, a freshman, not that productive, averaged 4.3 assists per game. That's pretty good. <laughs> so, yeah, not bad. No matter who you have in your... 2004 was... Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, I was just going to say, 2004 was fun at, at UConn because we, we had two outstanding quarterbacks on campus between Talik Brown and Dan Orlovsky. Uh, yes. Yeah. Just had, to, just had to throw that in there. And, Shout out to Dan Orlovsky. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, what? one thing 04 was really adept at, obviously, you know, we talk about this front court. Well, a front court's really not... The only really... The best way to take advantage of a great front court is to get them the ball. You know, these guys can't just, you know, most, you know, unless you've you know, got some like LeBron type of guy, these guys aren't usually just dribbling the ball up court and just like stuffing the ball in the net over like five guys, like, you know, like some sort of monsters type of thing. You know, you got to find a way yeah. to get them the ball. 2004, they got them the ball. They got them the ball a lot. 
you know, it was basically whoever, <laughs> you know, whoever was at the one or the two, you know, they you know, did what they had to do, get the ball in the um, Okafor, and then next thing you know, you know, post move bucket, you know, or same thing to, you know, uh, you know, Boone, you know, Armstrong, Villanueva, those guys are dunking in whoever's face once they have the ball in the paint. And, you know, hey, they're pretty good scorers. They're pretty good shooters. They just dish it out to each other. And next thing you know, you're up by 20 points on whoever it is you're playing. So 2004, good di- good distributing team too. Um, do we, what do you think? Do, like, is, is this even a factor here? Like, are, are these two teams both so good at ball movement that it's like almost a wash? Because I, I feel like it almost, that might be the case, but it's, you know, how one team defends the other, I guess, plays a role here. Do you, do you have any kind of instinct on what might happen here? Yeah, I I think it's fair to say that this might be a wash. And then I, the only thing I'd say is that, you know, like we were talking about, you know, getting the ball into the bigs is just an advantage for 04 to be able to get the ball into, you know, into Okafor, into Villanueva, into Boone, compared to, you know, trying to get the ball inside to Jake Foskell for, for the 99 team. And I think, you know, with the distributors that they had, like we were, like you were just saying, like Ben Gordon's distribution was better than you would necessarily give him credit for. And, you know, having, having two guys on the floor in him and, and Talik who are able to move the ball like that and having the options that they have around them, it's just, it's an advantage for 04. Yeah. I do think that this looks different. Uh, 2004, a lot of their, like a lot of their assist totals are going to be coming from just getting the ball into the paint. I think 99 is going to see a lot of theirs by slashing to the basket. So instead of yeah. seeing, you know, you're not going to see very much of inbound to, you know, to Jake Voskel to try to post up Okafor. I don't feel like that's a winning strategy. But, you know, if you've got a, you know, uh, Rip Hamilton cutting across, you know, the paint and, you know, getting him in space, that, that's, that is, that, no, no matter who 2004 has, like, no matter who any big you have, if you can get Rip Hamilton in space, I mean, he's going to score. So that's going to be a big part of this game. I feel like, you know, you'll also see probably a lot of, uh, you know, inbound passes to Freeman and, you know, he, like we said, he knows what to do with the ball. So, you know, he's going to be a big offensive factor. And, you know, I think, you know, you know, cutting the basket, you know, Khalid Amin was pretty, pretty good at that too. So yes, yes, he was. Yeah, Khalid and Ben Gordon, just like, you know, like the knife fight that those two guys would have, not necessarily with each other. They wouldn't be guarding each other, but like just seeing those guys just try to like hack and slash the other team would be, I think, pretty fun too. Yeah, and as it would be to see their their you know uh, Talik and uh, you know Ricky Moore respectively try to stop them, you know that would be you know it'd be like what's your I don't know what's a good knife fight? Oh, um, have you ever seen John Wick three? There's a great knife fight scene in that movie. It'd be I'm a bad person to ask about movies. I right. gotta be honest. All right, well for <laughs> all my for if all it's my not Marvel or Star Wars or something like that, I probably haven't seen it. All right, well for all my John Wick heads out there, in the third movie, there's this awesome scene where you know John's on the run and he's like cornered in this antique knife shop, and so he and all these like these you know henchmen who are like trying to chase him, they all like get in there and they all look around and they're like, oh my god, there's knives everywhere. So they all start smashing the glass cabinets and just taking knives out of the cabinet and just chucking them at each other like knife throw 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 you know just it's it's absolutely beautiful chaos and i feel like that's what this matchup would be where they're just like chucking knives at each other for like 15 minutes straight until finally everyone's dead except for like one person who's like like on the ground and you know wick delivers the coup de gras by taking a hatchet and just chucking it across the room and headshotting him with it that's uh I, I don't I just love you know, this this is this is a crazy analogy I just love that movie and I feel like that'd be a great <laughs> it'd be really fun to see this matchup play out in a similar <laughs> manner 
we might be overthinking the defense. It's po- also possible these two teams might just like annihilate each other, and the end result is something like a yeah. ninety-nine to like ninety-five overtime, just like like Donnybrook or something. Yeah. Or it could also be a, a defensive slughead. Slug. These these teams are capable of both. It'd be it'd be fun to watch either way. I think. Yeah. I mean, this this is just an incredible matchup. We we obviously like like I said a few times, we have the two best teams here, and it would just be. It would be a joy to be able to actually watch this game. Yeah, I I want to. It makes me so excited just for basketball in general. I'm really looking forward to this coming I season. I you know what I'm really looking forward to is maybe in like well maybe it'll happen this year, but realistically maybe in like 2023 or 24 where maybe UConn's got a team like this again. Wouldn't it be nice to have a team where like we do this again in five years and instead of the final being this. Maybe the final is like you know the winner of this matchup versus 2025, featuring you know yeah. the, all these 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 dudes who we just don't, we don't even know about yet. Like it's like who knows what the future might hold, but w- that'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially if we get some good news in the coming days. Which all I have to say to that is a dime back. Tell us what you know. I gotta get this posted, or else they might scoop us before this even airs. So. Um, yeah. Why don't we leave it there? Yeah. So I guess we. I don't. Why don't I don't know. I. I don't want to sully sully the the poll with like you know our our predictions. I. I feel like we. I. I'm just curious to see how this goes. I. I. I don't. Yeah. I do not know even, who's gonna win, and that's exciting. Even as we're doing this, I don't know who I'm voting for. Like I. I still haven't decided which of these teams I'm picking to win this game. Yeah. Well, I think the winner is all of us because this has been a lot of fun. So. Yes. Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, again, apologies for the late late episode, but we, uh, I'll, you know, probably we're it's about a, it's about ten, it's almost eleven o'clock in the morning right now. You guys will hopefully be listening to this by noon. I'll have the poll posted immediately, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, see how this shakes down. You know, voting will be open through Friday. You can find that poll on my Twitter at Max Cerullo, M A C C E R U L L O. And then, um, yeah, then next week, Tim, uh, you, I guess we're, we're going to, we'll call it the season finale. We'll, we'll do our wrap up pod for the summer. Uh, we'll wrap up kind of this tournament. We'll talk about whatever UConn news might've broken by then and just, you know, look ahead to the future. So, you know, I think, I think this feels like a good time to kind of, uh, you know, quiet down, especially since obviously now I'm like, you know, three weeks away from the baby. So, you know, (laughs) not really a good idea to be podcasting like, you know, you know, 20 feet away from a sleeping infant, you know, he'll, my, no. nobody, nobody wants that. So Tim, uh, yeah. What do you, what do you think? Any, uh, any, any other thoughts before we, uh, we let this, uh, we call it a wrap. Just thanks to everyone who's, who's voted in this, who's interacted on Twitter, having incredible conversations every week about these matchups, which have all just been so fun to, to talk about. And, yeah, again, hopefully we're getting some really good news soon on uh, on the recruiting trail. It looks like UConn's shaping up really nicely for another run at men's basketball greatness. You know, forget what 24-7 says about them not even being in the top 10 in the last decade despite <laughs> two national titles. Um, friends, like, this, this whole thing has just been a reminder that we've been spoiled the last 30 years. Like, this, I mean, I haven't been around for 30 years, so I can't really say that, but... Um, no team has won more national titles since 99 and even a few years before few teams have had this kind of success, this kind of, the kind of fun that we've had and think about, you know, 
where this program was back in the early '80s when the Big East was, you know, in its in its infancy, and think about what UConn has become, even you know, even after the lean years in the American. Like this is still an elite program, and we're very very lucky for a little for little Connecticut and even smaller stores like. This is it's just unbelievable what UConn basketball is, men's and women's. Amen to that. All right. Well, Tim, we'll do this one more time next week, hopefully at the usual time. And uh, all you guys out there, thanks for listening. <laughs> um, you can, like I said, you can follow me on Twitter at Max Cerullo, M-A-C-C-E-R-U-L-L-O. DMs are open. You can also hit me up at uh, yesuconpodcast at gmail.com. And um, yeah, go vote. Uh, well, let's uh, let's uh, see see who stands uh, who stands supreme at the end of all this. And uh, we'll be back next week to break it all down. So you guys all be good, and uh, yeah, we'll catch y'all later. <laughs>